Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Hi, Well Church family. I'm so excited to be here to share this message with you today on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Alex. Um, just a quick introduction. I've uh, been a member of the Well family community since its earliest days. Um, I'm married to Chris, who you might have seen around here leading music every once in a while, uh, and we live in Benbrook. We've been here for about eight years now, and we have three kids, Bradley, uh, Eleanor, and Andrew. So we've got a very uh, full and busy life. We love uh, life here in Benbrook. We love being a part of the Well Community Church, and um, I, like I said, I'm really excited to share this message with you today. Um, so if you're living in Ontario and you've got school-aged kids in your life, you probably are aware that uh, the, a few weeks ago, schools pivoted to go back to teaching online. The government announced that they thought it was safer uh, for kids to start learning remotely again. And I'm an elementary school teacher. I teach grade five uh, here in the Hamilton community. And I'm not at school right now. I'm actually on mat leave, but I teach with such a great group of people and teach them really awesome kids. And so my school community's just really been on my heart, um, especially the last few weeks that they've uh, once again had to turn around um, to go back online. And so once this announcement came out and I knew my teacher friends were prepping to get ready for a new, uh, a new session online, I texted a bunch of them and asked, you know, how can I pray for you? How can I support you um, as you're, you're going back to the computers? And I got all kinds of different requests, but one that really kind of hit me and really uh, spoke to my heart was a, a girlfriend of mine who said, I just need to figure out how to maintain peace, peace amid the storm and figure out how I'm going to tackle this all over again. How am I going to complete this task? Um, and it just, it hit me because I feel like we're all kind of there. We're all feeling like we're, we're in this storm and we're asking, how do we find peace? It's been a year, it's been over a year. Um, and here we are still. So I, I've just been thinking about that, uh, that message from my friend and praying for her. And God really laid on my heart the story of Jesus and his disciples um, and their time out in the boat in the storm of their own. So I just want to take some time today to, to really dig into that story. Um, I'll be reading today uh, the version from Mark's gospel. It actually shows up in three of the four gospels, but I really like Mark's. So that's where we're going to start. Um, if you've got your Bible handy or your Bible app, I'm going to be reading uh, from Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. So it says, later that day, when evening came, Jesus said to them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. They left the crowd and took him in the boat, just as he was. Other boats followed along. Gale force winds arose and waves crashed against the boat so that the boat was swamped. But Jesus was in the rear of the boat, sleeping on a pillow. They woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care that we're drowning? He got up and gave orders to the wind, and he said to the lake, Silence, be still. The wind settled down, and there was a great calm. Jesus asked them, Why are you frightened? Don't you have any faith yet? Overcome with awe, they said to each other, Who then is this? Even the wind and the seas obey him. There's so much goodness and truth in these seven short verses. And the more that I read this passage over and over again in different translations, or even take a look at it in each of the different gospels, 
there were four mindsets that kind of came up um, that I think that we can adopt to help us find peace while we're still in the storm. The first one that kind of stood out to me was that Jesus wasn't worried about this journey, so we shouldn't be either. If you're a parent of young kids and have ever tried to uh, get them gathered up to take them somewhere, you know it's not as simple as saying, let's go. <laughs> no, like in my house, if I want to take my three kids to the park um, and it's only a 10 minute walk, I need to plan at least an hour in advance. I gotta make sure everybody has eaten something because inevitably somebody will get hungry. Um, everyone's gotta get dressed because COVID style right now is jammies all the time. So no jammies at the park, let's get dressed. Let's go to the bathroom. They need socks. They seem to think flip-flops are proper attire all the time. So let's get some socks on. Gonna get your running shoes. Do I need my hand sanitizer? No, I need masks to take my kids to the park. So we need to make sure we have that. Sometimes they wanna ride their bikes. This one wants her scooter, so we have to make sure their helmets are there. And then my seven month old, I need to nurse before I leave and we need to make sure we're back by a certain time or else he'll fall asleep in the stroller and I need him to sleep in the crib because hey, I gotta prep lunch. So honestly, <laughs> I have to plan for every scenario heading out the door. Are they gonna be warm enough? Are they gonna be cool enough? Are they fed enough? Are they safe enough? Then we get to go. And by the time we're out the door, sometimes I forget why I even wanted to take them to the park in the first place. And I think that's why the first verse of this story is so striking to me. Jesus says, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. They left the crowd and took him in the boat just as he was. It's so simple. Jesus gathers his disciples and he says, let's go. He didn't pull out his phone to check the weather app to make sure that he'd have smooth sailing conditions. Didn't have to double check that everybody had their life jackets. They just gathered their things and they went. He knew that there was a storm coming. He knew there was gonna be a downpour and the gale force winds, but he doesn't promise calm waters. He just says to them, let's go. I'm gonna get you to the other side of the sea. Now I'm a firm believer that Jesus doesn't waste any of his words. And it's so simple and such a casual expression to say, let's go. And I think at the time the disciples probably heard it and they're like, yeah, all right, let's go. <laughs> but I read it now and I think there was so much more to that. Jesus is saying, let's go. Let us go. I'm coming with you. I'm not trying to send you on a journey on your own and I'm gonna meet you when you get there on the other side. I'm climbing in the boat and I'm coming with you. So there's nothing else that we need. We don't need a life preserver. We don't need to pack for the what ifs, for the worst case scenarios because Jesus is in the boat and Jesus has already said, let's cross over to the other side. Jesus isn't worried about the journey. So we shouldn't be either. The next verse, verse 36, hit me as well. <laughs> and I think it's funny because I'm not even two verses into this story. And there's just these simple phrases that hold so much truth. So verse 36 starts with, they left the crowd. 
And when I first started studying this message, those four words were the first thing that I highlighted and then boxed and then underlined. They lifted a weight off of my shoulders and I think they will for you too, if I can dig in a little more. So if we go back a couple of chapters in Mark, we see that Jesus and his disciples have been busy. The first three chapters, we see that after Jesus has called his disciples, Jesus has started his teaching ministry, he's healing, he's casting out demons. And from then on out, almost every new story starts with a crowd gathered. There's people who are looking to follow, people who want to hear the stories, people who want to be healed, people who know people who want to be healed. And when we get to chapter four, our story takes place the evening after what Matthew's gospel calls the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has been teaching for the better part of the day to multitudes of people. I don't know about you, but that sounds exhausting to me. <laughs> teaching fifth graders wipes me out most days, never mind teaching what the gospel calls multitudes of people. So as the sun begins to set and Jesus calls his disciples, he says, they climb into the boat and they leave the crowd. Leaving the crowd. What crowds might you need to step away from in order to find a little bit of peace? Is it your crowded social media feed? Maybe it's the news feeds crowding your mind with statistics and infection rates, death tolls, projections and government announcements. Maybe it's that chat group with your friends. Your phone screens become crowded with the notifications of the latest texts. Or maybe it's the people under your roof. We're spending more time with those that are in our immediate households and it has its moments of having us feel crowded as well. Now these crowds aren't necessarily, you know, bad moms, people <laughs> or bad things. We need connection. We were created and wired for connection with one another. And the ironic thing about this pandemic is that even though we've been asked to remain physically distant from people, somehow these new forms of crowds have emerged and they can feel overwhelming. Like I freely admit that I participate in all of the crowds. I'm part of the crowds that I just listed. I am on Instagram. Last time I checked, I had something like 256 accounts that I was following and that was after I purged. So I am in with those crowds <laughs> and I appreciate you know, the inspiration I get from those homeschooling moms because there are days I don't know what to do with my kids. And the dinner ideas from the food bloggers that show up on my social media feeds because I feel like I'm in a rut with dinners. I so, so love that I have a group of girlfriends that will text me and check in and see how everybody's doing. And I love my kids and I love my husband and I feel incredibly blessed that if I'm gonna get locked down, I'm getting locked down with them. But let's be honest, sometimes it's a lot. Jesus deeply loved the crowds of people that came to see him too. But sometimes he walked away from the crowds to reset. It's not a unique moment in scripture. And there are so many examples throughout the gospels where Jesus takes some time away from the crowds. So for example, if we back up again to chapter one, Jesus has just healed Simon's mother-in-law. Word gets out. And the Bible says that the entire town showed up on the doorstep. Jesus heals a lot of them and drives out demons. And so what happens after Jesus attends to this crowd? 
The next day, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he went out and made his way to a deserted place, and he prayed. It's not long before the disciples find him and they let him know that everyone's looking for him. And he returns to continue teaching. In fact, he says in verse 38, let's go to the neighboring villages so I may preach there too. This is why I've come. Jesus has come to minister to the crowds. He hasn't lost sight of that purpose. But before he returns to them, Jesus takes some time to find quiet and reset. He sets that example for us. Sometimes we need to walk away. We don't walk out on our people. Jesus didn't walk out on his people, but he walked away to reset, to find quiet. So what crowds might you need to take some time from today? <sighs> so Jesus has said, let's go. He's walked away from the crowd. What does Jesus do next to reset? Verse 38 tells us, he was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. He sleeps. Jesus was tired. He had been traveling and healing and teaching nonstop. And if Jesus, the son of God, creator of the heavens and the earth, the healer, the teacher, the miracle worker, needs to leave the crowds for a little while and take a nap, then how much more do I need to do the same? I love how Mark shares the humanity of Jesus in this moment. It's such a stark reminder to me that Jesus was in my shoes. He was fully God and he was fully human and he gets it. He gets tired and he takes a nap. Jesus rests, he closes his eyes and he sleeps and his sleeping conditions aren't ideal, <sighs> but he was tired and he found a moment to physically be still. In order to find peace, we need to prioritize rest. Now a nap might not be the answer for everyone. I would love a nap personally. <laughs> but it's just not realistic with the lifestyle that I've got. Moments of rest don't look the same for all of us. Maybe you're settling into the couch for a few minutes and just taking a few deep breaths before you have to carry on with your next task. Maybe you're sitting in your backyard or on your front porch, just taking in some fresh air. Sometimes for me, moments of stillness come when I'm putting Andrew, my seven month old, down for a nap. I rock just a few extra minutes after he's fallen asleep in that rocking chair in his room before I have to get up and go and attend to my other two kids. And those couple of minutes, as short as they are, are restoring. Let's prioritize rest. As we continue on, we take a look at this moment of rest that Jesus has and realize that it's really just a moment. And as a mom, I never felt more seen by God than in this next part of the story. So Jesus settles in, he's snoozing on his pillow, only to be woken up moments later by his followers. Jesus, Jesus, we need you. Don't you care about us? We're drowning. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> us moms know that feeling all too well too. Day is done, kids have had dinner, jammies on, teeth brushed, stories read, we're crossing the finish line. You're ready to settle in on the couch for a little downtime. And as you start to sink into the cushions, as if on cue, here comes that little voice from the top of the stairs. In our house, it's always my eldest Bradley, sitting at the top of the stairs, swinging his legs, 
calling, Mommy, it's too dark in my room. Mommy, I need a drink. Mommy, my blankets got messed up. I forgot my favorite stuffy downstairs. I feel you, Jesus. <laughs> I've been there too. So Jesus gets woken up with his disciples and they are losing it. And part of me wants to just shake my head at them. Like, come on, guys, Jesus is right there. Remember he's God? He's gonna take care of everything. He said, I'm getting you to the other side. But honestly, we're in the middle of the storm. Don't we all cry out the same way? Jesus, don't you care? It's been over a year. People keep dying. Hospitals are maxed out of resources. Don't you care? My kids haven't seen their grandparents since Christmas. My baby is seven months old and no one's really met him yet. The kids aren't in school and their mental health is taking a toll. My loved ones are essential workers and are potentially exposed to the virus every day. Jesus, we're drowning. Don't you care? Your cries might sound a little different, but I bet that at some point, we've all felt that despair from the crashing waves and the deafening winds. So the disciples cry out and we cry out in the middle of the storm. And how does Jesus respond? He speaks. Verse 39 says, Jesus got up and gave orders to the wind. And he said to the lake, silence, be still. The wind settled down and there was a great calm. We need to learn to trust Jesus's voice. God's voice is powerful. It was powerful in the beginning when the waters were first spoken into existence. His voice was powerful when it commanded Moses to part the seas and ushered the Hebrews to safety. His voice was powerful as he stood in the boat and commanded the winds and the waves to be silent and still. And his voice continues to be powerful today, speaking out in the storm that we're living out. So I really think that we need to take some time to retreat into his word, into the voice of Jesus. And I've been working through a Bible in a year plan on my Bible app. And let me tell you, it is not easy um, to stick to. It's nice and it's organized for me, but sometimes it's still a struggle, especially if I'm caught up in one of those crowds, especially if I'm lacking rest or I'm too busy drowning in my own cries. But every time I open my Bible, I find that there's comfort there because Jesus's words are powerful. So I want to close today with a few verses from a psalm that came up in my reading last week when I was struggling to find a way to close this message. And it was powerful. And just like the disciples were in awe of the power of Jesus when he wielded those words, I was taken aback and completely humbled. So Psalm 29, verses 3 and 4 read like this. The voice of the Lord is above the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord above the vast water. The voice of the Lord in power. The voice of the Lord in splendor. And then verses 10 and 11. The Lord sits enthroned 
over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned, king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses his people with peace. So I'm praying for you, church. I'm praying that you remember that Jesus isn't worried about the journey. So neither should you. I'm praying that you find resolve to step away from the crowds for a while. I'm praying that you prioritize rest and that you seek comfort in the powerful words of Jesus. I'm praying that while we're still in the storm, you're finding ways to be still in the storm. Take care, church.